Hello and welcome to another episode of the Theo Keeps Talking podcast, where you may laugh or you may learn, available on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. My name is Theo, and the most important question of the day, how are you all doing? Last week, I released a short episode covering the insurrection, the attempted bombing, the attempted hostage situation, the attempted coup by vanilla ISIS in Washington, D.C. last week. No matter how you voted, no matter who you support, that was an absolutely abhorrent, un-American act of domestic terrorism last week, and I covered the history and narrative that led into that event stemming back to 2007. Today's a fun episode, much more laid back. I'm telling stories. (laughs) There's no deeper meaning than just reminiscing today. In some real world news, COVID, I mean, it is killing thousands of people a day and vaccine rollout seems to be a little slower than we had hoped. The last figures I had seen were that under 3 million people have received their first round of vaccinations, which is, in short, not good enough. And I'm just hoping that we can kind of turn that around. Please stay safe. Please stay inside to the best of your abilities. Please wear a mask if you can't. Uh, This is coming up on month 10 of COVID in America. So if you're still wearing neck gaiters or uh, bandanas in public, I, I think you're just a lost cause. So for the recommendation section, got a few songs I've been spinning a lot. Um, <laughs> Come Through and Chill by Miguel featuring J. Cole. Gold Roses by Rick Ross featuring Drake. Codeine Crazy by Future. And I Love You, I Hate You by Playboy Cardi. The NFL Playoffs. They're here. Last week was fun to watch and horrible to watch some of those games my de facto support franchise the baltimore ravens just won their wild card matchup against the titans they play buffalo tomorrow night as i'm recording this and putting this out it was a great game for the ravens there was so much chatter about lamar's ability to come from behind to win big games and he did just that especially since last year the Titans beat the Ravens and earlier this year they beat them again. Um, They were all over the Ravens logo and it started out scary. Like Lamar threw that pick and I was like, please not like this, not like this. But he hit this huge third down pass to give them a chance uh, and they didn't look back from there. Um, I think the best part about how they won is that they didn't, leave it up to chance you know had they lost it would have been 
oh man, they should have called offensive pass interference on Tennessee's touchdown, or they should have they shouldn't have called offensive pass interference on Willie Sneed, all that stuff, right? But they won. Lamar, three hundred total yards. I don't think you could ask for much else. Three hundred total yards, one touchdown, one t- turnover in a playoff game. That is elite level quarterbacking right there no matter how you draw it up um and he got a he got a playoff win so i'm really happy for him and the ravens also added the disrespect factor by stomping on the titans logo which you know what all is fair all is fair a lot of the games were really hard to watch (laughs) that seahawks rams game was ugly and the Rams defense has all superstars. Russell Wilson was running for his life, but he also didn't play well. And I was like, whoa, there's a stat that is pretty bad. If you think about it in the last like three or four years, Russell Wilson's like the MVP at the very beginning of the year. You know, there are people who even thought for a good like section of the year, during Lamar winning MVP last year that uh, Russell Wilson deserved it. And then same thing when Mahomes won it and then it's playoff time and it's bad. Like it's really, really bad, you know? So, and he didn't even play that well against Dallas that other year. So in like 2018, so I'm like, oof, that's my guy though, but it's looking a little bad these days. The Bears-Saints game was also ugly, but they broadcasted the game on Nickelodeon, which added a large amount of entertainment value. Um, I I mean, I don't know the, the, the numeric breakdown, the monetary breakdown, but I would assume there's a good amount of adults that actually tuned into Nickelodeon to watch it because they were curious, you know? Like, I'm assuming it, like, it definitely added something, but... Roger Roger Goodell has to see his uh he's got to he's got to see some jail time for making kids watch Mitchell Trubisky on a Saturday night you know what I'm saying like that absolutely not on a Sunday night excuse me there's no way that Roger Goodell should be sleeping well at night he made some kids watch SpongeBob watch Mitchell Trubisky like come on now come on now but then. The unthinkable happened during the 8 p.m. game on Sunday. The Browns ran out to a 28-0 lead on the Steelers and almost gave it back. But then they pulled through and it was beautiful. The Browns finally got over the hump. The Steelers fell from the sky at 11-0 to this. And the funniest part out of all of it was all the hate juju smith schuster got after the game (laughs) so if you don't know if you didn't know juju plays receiver for the steelers and does the corvette corvette dance on the opposing team's logos before the game starts and then posts it like after the game or whatever and it was all fine and dandy until they started losing when they were 8-0 9-0 10-0 It didn't really matter. But the second they started losing, all the ire went straight to him. To which, might I professionally add, I don't think TikTok dances hinder how someone performs in a football game. 
It's such a silly thing to equate the two. You have players who go to clubs nights before games and play just fine. And James Harden, namely, plays better after he goes to a club. It's this red is this thing you can look up on Reddit. There's a significant stati- there's a significant enough statistical correlation that they could make a trend line of James Harden's performances when he would go to cities that have really highly rated nightclubs before he would play and it was fan it was a fantastic read um but there's no way a 15 second tiktok dance could override weeks of preparation and a season's worth of film sessions practices and like strength training there's that's impossible but they were all over juju yesterday and to like uh, like last week and I, I mean, I kind of feel bad, but it's also completely hilarious. And since we're in quarantine, I will take all the laughter that I can get. In NBA news, James Harden and Kyrie Irving are on the same team with Kevin Durant now. James Harden was traded after on Tuesday. He said, I've done everything I can. I, I, get me out of here, you know, stuff like that. And Kyrie um, is uh, AWOL is the best way you could put it. I mean, it, it's such a complex situation. Like, Kyrie is, he's an enigma, but he's really good at basketball, you know. And it, it, he gets a lot of public ire. Like, there's there's been some reporters who have said some absolutely unforgivable things about him like Jackie McMullen said he was property uh that came out on like the Bill Simmons podcast and I'm just like what what is going on here that's not okay to say under any circumstances NBA players are not property what are you saying right and like he's you know flat earth but he's also very much about social justice and everything and it's just really weird line because he's definitely the most maligned player out there for his like extracurricular activities next to James Harden and now they're both on the same team um and Kyrie I mean he's at his sister's birthday party and he didn't tell any his teammates he was gonna be there maskless so he had to quarantine if he comes back like he's you know putting his teammates at risk and everything like that and and it's weird because you could also play the angle of for Kyrie we're always pro mental health for the players when the mental health is over like when Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan were telling us about how they struggled past like majority past tense with it and now they're telling us now versus if that's a situation for Kyrie at the moment where like everyone's already killing him for it granted going to a nightclub in the middle of a pandemic when the NBA is already having so many issues with the coronavirus isn't the best look either. But if that's the situation, then we're li- like people are killing him for it. And I get both sides of it. But to say it's as far as calling him property is unbelievable. Um, but James Harden, who is the entire reason that the Houston Rockets both was were like the best offense in the league and not making the NBA Finals. He's the reason for both of them. The organization gave up 
everything he for him that he wanted. He wants Dwight Howard. He no longer wants Dwight Howard. They got rid of him. He wants Chris Paul. They got Chris Paul. He no longer wants Chris Paul. They got rid of Chris Paul. He wanted Russell Westbrook because they're friends. They got Russell Westbrook for him. Russell Westbrook wants out, and James Harden wants him out. They trade for John Wall. James Harden comes back. Plump. This man is rotund. He played. He balled out the first night. He had like forty four and nine or something like that, and they barely lost. And ever since then, he's like eighteen points per game, like four free throw attempts per per game, which he's normally at like eleven. So he's just given up. And they wouldn't have reached the heights they reached without him, but they also didn't get past their ceiling because of him. So huh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh offensively this team's going to be probably insane they're all smart enough on the basketball floor to understand that Kyrie and James Harden probably have to play opposite sides of the floor from each other and uh not dribble as much but I feel like they they're they're all intelligent enough that it'll work and man I couldn't even imagine the lethality of a Kevin Durant, James Harden, pick and roll, Kyrie on the wing, and Kyrie catches the ball on a collapsing defender. He's putting every he's putting everyone in in the ICU. Ankles gone, ACL gone. The season's over for them. All like all soft tissue gone, right? And I I it 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 in my head it looks so beautiful. I'm just curious, like when does Kyrie come back? How well do they play together? Is James Harden going to be in shape? Those are the only questions I have because offensively it's going to work. Defense, I, I don't think it matters, right? Like, I, I think it's like this. Rotationally for players like that, if you want to play them to the best of your abilities on your side of the floor, you're probably playing players who are better on defense than on offense to try and slow them down which means they probably don't have to do as much to cover you, if you know what I'm saying. So it's like, yeah, they may actually be able to get away with slightly average defense, but at the same time, their offense will be so much better than yours. Then what do they have to worry about? And those are my thoughts. So let's get to the main topic. Um work (laughs) work stories and stuff like that and one of the one of the where one of the places i'll start is kind of where how i learned to like leverage my social interactions and the the i would say the slightly above average amount of emotional intelligence i have and soft skills i have it was my very first ever job panera (laughs) Your boy was a barista and it was, it was something else. Like it it was something else. So first ever paid position, Panera Bread, summer of 2015, right before I went to Drexel. I worked at the Panera Bread location about 10 minutes from my house. And I also worked there in the summer of 2016 before I started my internship. And my mom knew someone who worked there. She vouched for me. And that became my first ever job. They liked my personality, people skills, so they had me 
at the cashier slash barista position. And that's where I was the entire summer. I was there the first time and the second time. And I worked primarily in the afternoon, evening slash like my mom's schedule, which is because her office was a mile down the road and I didn't have a car. So what would happen is my mom would drop me off at work. And I and if I got off before she did, I'd walk down to her job, take the car to do whatever I needed to do, then pick her up. And then we'd go home. So it was a lot of walking that summer. (laughs) So the overall structure of that Panera before we get to the fun stories. This Panera was called, quote, the ghetto Panera. (laughs) Uh, There was another location about seven to eight minutes away from ours, which had a much better reputation as far as order turnaround, customer service, all that. And it was very clear why. My coworkers weren't the greatest on average. <laughs> a majority of them were, you know, a little rougher around the edges, a lot of profanity at any given point in time during the day, which clashed heavily with the kinds of customers we'd get during the lunch and dinner rushes. Uh, the coworkers were late sometimes, they caught attitudes quickly, all of that, right? But when there was downtime, they were funny. The managers could only do so much as far as reprimanding them because people called out so often at this Panera that I'd say we were understaffed like 60% of every shift. Because people would come back from their breaks late or clock into their shifts late, I was consistently clocking out later and later And normally that's like, yay, more money. But more often than not, I had to get picked up from work. So I was making my parents and my grandmother late way too often. And that was a mess. So some things you may not know about Panera, at least how it used to run when I worked there. Panera technically never closes. At 10 p.m., so it closes. Close to the public is 9 p.m., but at 10 p.m., the bakers come in and work overnight so that by 6 a.m., the bread and bagels and stuff is ready for sale by breakfast. Your soup and mac and cheese and all that comes to Panera frozen twice a week off a truck. Then they thaw the soup out and serve it. The mac and cheese goes into a microwave Every time we get an order for it and put it in a cup and hand it to you for $6. (laughs) Yeah, it's in a bag. It gets heated up. Put it in a cup. There's your $6 mac and cheese frozen and you could buy it from a store. The green tea and lemonade previously wasn't self-serve. When I was there, you had to pay for every refill. And I don't know why it's any different now. Like, I feel like it was really cost efficient to charge people for every time they wanted green tea at least for like financial reporting purposes that made sense but for customer experience purposes it was probably really bad the espresso drinks are not worth it at all (laughs) i promise as a barista the amount of sugar in every drink of panera 
would make you scream. Just trust me. So into the fun work stories, the fun ones. So there were only two male cashiers that weren't managers. And I was one of them. They wanted me to leverage my personality and the shred of basic quick math I had left. And there was one other male cashier, and his name was Sean. Now, Sean was old. And it's for scale, old. I was 18 the first time I was, first summer I was there. And Sean had a seven-year-old daughter. So his full-time job was like a vocal coach or performing arts or something like that. Because he would sing during work pretty often and he mentioned that offhand to me. Sean was hired to be a barista. But there's this procedural rule we do where if it's really busy, the barista has to step off the counter onto the register closest to them, take an order or two, then go back to fulfilling the cafe drinks. Sean wouldn't do that. (laughs) So we had six total registers. And if Sean and I were both there, he would do barista and I would do cash. But if he wasn't there, I'd do barista. Register six is the one that's closest to the barista station. On several occasions, we'd have a line out the door and Sean would have one or two orders max to take care of and not come over to the register. It was so bad, especially because we would have this rule where if a customer asks for something extra on a cafe drink, we have to charge them for it, right? So for a caramel frappe that has some caramel sauce drizzle on the whipped cream, that's free. But any more pumps of caramel in the drink, like in the blend, or any extra drizzle is extra, right? But Sean over here would do this drizzle art on the inside of the cup, then put the drink in, then the whipped cream on top, then the drizzle on top and not charge them for it, right? So that's like almost like two extra dollars that he's not charging them for. Also like 10% closer to like needing to go to the hospital Um, (laughs) because there's so much sugar. And the customers would come in when he would do this and expect us to make it the way he would and I'd charge them extra and they get mad at me because of it. And I'm like that, you know, when he does that, that's more money, right? They're like, well, Sean, don't charge me. Now I'm like, well, Sean should be, you know? And, and the worst part is he'd only do it with women. Now I'm like, bro, you have a child, please act right. Cause I'm catching all the blowback when, when you don't act right. All right. And it was a mess. So that's the Sean story. And this water break is brought to you by absolutely no one at all. <clears throat> so, we also had some fights at Panera. This was in a highly black area, and we didn't have many white customers when it wasn't lunchtime. So there was this one time, 
there were two white women sitting at like six thirty, seven o'clock. And this was pretty notable because it does not happen during dinner. Like it just, it just does not happen. Right. So of course an event had to commemorate the occasion. This heavy set black man comes in, starts screaming at one of the ladies. And it was something to the extent of, I knew I shouldn't have trusted you. My homeboy told me all about it. And they went back and forth and he leaves. Like, like this is after a while. We're all just kind of staring. And he leaves by saying, that's why I told you, keep your cheating self at home. And he slammed our front door so hard that all of the glass shattered. <laughs> so we were all dying laughing because obviously, what are we going to do? Like, what, what are, are we supposed to tackle the dude? You know what I'm saying? So the manager on duty came out, asked what happened, called the called the feds. Um, and I don't know what happened to that guy, but, you know, the door was fixed like in a day. You know what I'm saying? Shout out insurance. And... Not to say that I'm just supposed to draw parallels to things that don't matter, but you know what I'm saying? If, you know, if a Panera in the middle of, if a Panera that doesn't perform well in its customer service ratings can get a glass door fixed in one day, you can apply that to any other logical situation I've ever talked about on this podcast. Just saying. Just saying. Another fun one to wrap up Panera. Another fun one. So closing time at night at Panera was the best and worst time. It's the best because you know there won't be a huge line, but it's the worst because you're trying to close and people come in at like 8.50 and order the most complex things on the menu while you're trying to clean, right? And we don't get paid extra past nine, so it's time to go. And one of our routine customers that we actually like, her name is Hot Chocolate Lady. And she comes in from 8.30 to 8.50 every night after she puts uh, her two kids to sleep. And she orders two deluxe hot chocolates for her and her husband routinely, like every night or every other night, 8.30 to 8.50. That's her time, right? So both of my nighttime stories kind of wrap into one. So the hot chocolate lady part, put that on pause. In 2016, um, this was the second time I was working with them. In 2016, I went to Los Angeles on a business trip. And I stayed in a very nice hotel, com- you know, com- compliments of the, the company. And I, I ran into a lot of famous people and over the course of me being there. And one of them, who I didn't even care for at the moment, was Little Yachty. (laughs) So me and one of my friends were in the elevator with him and he knew him, but I like, I literally did not know in the moment, the difference between him and Little Uzi. I did not know. I'm dead serious. Right. And (laughs) so he asked my friend, he's like, do you want to hang out in our room? And my friend said, yeah. And he came back a few hours later. He's like, yeah, we literally just played Uno and ate pizza. (laughs) And I looked it up. Yachty's younger than me. And I was 19 when I was out there. So he wasn't popping bottles or anything like that. So he was literally just chilling, just like how I would chill. Just he has significantly more disposable income than I do. 
So fast forward, I'm back to Panera. And one night, one of the guys brought his speaker. Hot Chocolate Lady's the only customer in the store. And the guy plays Broccoli by Shelly featuring Little Yachty. And if you don't know, Drom, the artist that was, you know, formerly known as Drom, they go by Shelly now. And they're playing Broccoli, and we are turning up in there. And I was trying to tell them, like, oh, yeah, I met this guy, like, two, three weeks ago. And they were like, that's Cap. Like, there's no way. And I'm like, I'm dead serious. They're like, why did you get a picture then? I was like, because I didn't care. They're like, how do you hear this song and like it and not care? And I'm like, you're absolutely right. But it happened, (laughs) you know? So she just watched me bop around making this hot chocolate. And I was like, yep, I really ran into this man two weeks ago and did not care at all. (laughs) So it all came full circle. So that's the... Those are the extent of my fun stories about Panera. We got some college stories, though. We got some college ones. During college, I had three different jobs. One was unpaid, but super beneficial to my resume. And I have a rant about unpaid work that I'll save for another day. So my very first college job was working for Drexel Athletics and... It was, to this day, the only job I've ever had that fit my natural interests. <laughs> I've, I've had others that fit my professional interests or, like, my professional skill set, but this was right in my wheelhouse. It was easy to get to because I went to the gym, like, every day. Um, it was an eight-minute walk from my freshman year dorm. I started in the winter term, and during that time, Drexel has men's and women's basketball, wrestling, swimming and diving and squash the scheduling worked as follows at the beginning of the month the manager puts out the schedule and you sign up for whatever games fit on your schedule first come first serve excuse me squash never needed anyone um then swimming was like one per meet only one person needed per meet I guess. Um, So it was really just the rest of the game. So basketball, men's and women's, and then wrestling. So my freshman year, the Drexel men's basketball team, as of March 6th, 2016, I think is the exact day, was the worst team in all of Division I basketball in terms of winning percentage. Yes. They had the lowest winning percentage of every single Division I men's basketball team in the NCAA. I think the record, I think they hit it when they went 30, like, sorry, when they went 3 and 23. I'm pretty sure that was the record. They were 3 and 23 or 3 and 22. It was one of the two. And their winning percentage was like, like, like 0.123. And that was the lowest in Division One basketball, or like some some permutation of that. Those in for those facts, but it was so bad. Like they were they were so bad. Our women's team was on fire, like they always have been. But for some reason, there's this negative correlation between our sports we're good at and attendance, right? Like our squash teams are elite, which I get is really niche. But once you understand it a little bit, it's fascinating. 
but no one goes to those. Our women's basketball games have like a third of the attendance of the men's, but the women's teams were making conference championships like every single year I was there. The one sport that was a good balance between attendance and performance was wrestling. Now, Drexel has zero football team and really low school spirit as it is because of many, many factors that isolate and tunnel the students into their academics and career development. But wrestling was hype. (laughs) Basically, when you get, I think it's called a takedown. I might be wrong. But when you get a takedown, you get two points. And everyone, and I mean everyone, yells two. And the more you watch, the more you start understanding when someone should get two points. So you're just looking forward to the moment you can scream two. And it's it's just fantastic. Like, it's just such a good experience. Um, so I looked forward to saying it as much as I could, you know, um, for wrestling, I was usually the scoreboard operator. Um, so I was like right there and it was a really good experience for the basketball games. I would do ticket sales, display boards. I would mop, I would do setup, takedown, all that, you know, for basketball. Sometimes I would help the opposing team in their shoot around, which was kind of cool. Um, because, like, it's just interesting watching someone be significantly better than you when they're not trying at all because it's just shoot-around, right? Um, the fun thing was that for basketball games, I would do, like, all the stuff I would do. But for the playlists, right, the pregame playlist that we had was so fire. <laughs> so, fun fact, before any sporting event, there's two kinds of playlists. The one that happens one hour before the game until either the band plays or (laughs) the national anthem. Um, (laughs) And there's this other one that's technically called the test playlist, but that's the hype playlist. And that comes on two hours before the game starts. And then it ends an hour before the game starts before like the like the visitors and everyone comes in. And it was fire every single time and people were unhappy with the playlist as they were coming in because it was really just okay music but we had to be sensitive to like the parents and the alumni and the grandparents who would come because the last thing we'd want is someone whose retirement fund is larger than my entire lifetime earnings to complain to like our manager uh my ears with this hippity hop dust the pendulum of vulgarity no no bounds and you know like, we don't want that, those problems, you know what I'm saying? So we don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> uh, winter was cool, but there was a big difference in the spring. Uh, spring sports were exclusively outside. And for those who've never seen it before, Drexel's athletic fields are like a 20-minute walk from campus. Um, and that might be exaggeration, but it felt like it in the winter, at least, or when it was cold. Um, and I, so like I'm hauling because the spring sports season start like end of February, early March. And in the spring, like the games really just aren't that worth it that often. There's lacrosse, there's softball and there's crew. Um, crew only has events like once a month and they're legit like all day. 
lacrosse games never overlap with the breaks in my schedule. So it was like it was like softball more often than not. But I did do one crew event. Um, I did the playlist and the walk up songs for the batters and softball. It was maybe like 40 degrees at its warmest for the first half of the season. Oh, and I should add the softball team was terrible <laughs> and i mean it in the most straightforward non-judgmental way possible they lost every single conference game they played that year every single one they went windless in conference and i froze during the whole thing and it was bad so um softball was dead so i did one crew event and that crew event was really really cool so is on Boathouse Row and the Schuylkill River in Philly. Um, it is confusing to get to where that where the race starts. So our manager drove us, like drove all the people that were working. And there's like some niche, like I, I don't even remember what all the roles were because I only did one of them. I only did one crew event. But the job I had was <laughs> something else. It was kind of scary because back then I didn't know how to swim. But... I was the person who would be, like, holding the boats in place before the race started. So, like, like they would, like, paddle into me, and I'd hold the 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 boat, the cruise, I don't know. I'd hold the boat in place and, like, line it up, and I'm laying, like, flat on my stomach, prone on this water, right? And this was, like, in May. But the events are all day. So we got up. At, I had to get up at like 530. We started at seven. So I'm like hitting the, like all the wind and on the water is hitting me. I'm laying prone like I'm American sniper or something like that. Holding these boats for like eight hours a day, like eight hours that day. And I was just like, what is going on here? <laughs> and it was interesting because like the like it was just so affluent. You know what I mean? Like these parents could all buy me twice. You know what I'm saying? Like it's all G63s. It's all, it's all the Beamers, you know what I'm saying, and um, all the trust funds. And, and and I remember that day, I was like, I wonder if I would be rich enough to, like, get my name on, like, a crew team boat. Like, that's a whole nother level of money that you are willing to put forth money to an athletic program where the equipment itself sits in a shed then sits in some water and then goes back in a shed you know but yeah i was holding these boats <laughs> for hours on end uh but it was cool like it was like you know had some chats with the guys just like seeing where these guys are from it's like all you know really rich schools but some of these guys are really down to earth some of them were absolute you know yeah so <laughs> but it was cool um but out of all of that, um, I was also working another job. So in, right in the middle of winter, I would took a volunteer income tax assistant training to help low income tax filers in Philadelphia do their taxes. So it was unpaid, but I knew my career was going to be in taxes. And this technically counted as community service, which I love doing. So I didn't mind at all. There was literally nothing better to do in my free time as a freshman in college, you know? So I had to go to Temple to do it. I think it was every Wednesday and every Friday or every Monday and every Wednesday. But a lot of the filers were primarily Spanish speakers. And that was when I was at like the peak. 
of my Spanish powers. So it went really well. And I learned a lot and that carried over to this day. So my third college job, we'll have to wait until the next episode. <laughs> I want to break these up so that it's easier for everyone to listen to. And this and this next chunk is really, really long. So <laughs> thank you for tuning in. Please be safe. Please stay safe. Do everything you can to remain safe. Um, you know, it's really hard. And also just like a mental health check. Uh, it's we're in, we're in a pandemic. If you're being responsible, you're indoors a lot. It's cold. It gets dark early. Um, just as a little motivation. You got this. You know, I believe in you. I'm proud of you, you know, um, and it's hard. It's hard on all of us. You're not alone. Um, and you know, I really believe that, you know, you got this, whatever, whatever state you're in, you got this. I believe in you. We're going to make it through this brighter days are coming. And, you know, I just really hope that whatever, whatever you need to do to make yourself happy, some self-fulfillment, a break, a nap, get some good food in you. You know what I'm saying? Do what you can to take care of yourself. Remember you work really hard, no matter what you're doing, you're working really hard. I'm really proud of you. Do what you can. Thank you for tuning in. I'll catch you next time.